Securities offered through Securities America, Inc. Member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. Investors Advantage and the Securities America companies are separate entities. The opinions and forecasts expressed are those of the author, may not actually come to pass, and should not be construed as a recommendation of any security or investment plan. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Welcome to Fiscal Fitness with your hosts, John Grace and Daniel Medina. They have all the questions about investing, planning, retirement, and the future. You could say it's all they live for. While it can seem daunting getting everything sorted out and the important questions answered, they'll do their best to make it that much easier. Now, here's John Grace and Daniel Medina. Good to see you. Good to have you, ladies and gentlemen. John Grace and Daniel Medina here with Fiscal Fitness. And yes, the task of investing may be daunting, but we won't leave you in the dark. As opposed to so many of the folks who do this for a living, and they're all great people, but I mean, we have some platitudes that we rely on as opposed to new and fresh ideas. In fact, I will say to you that probably some of the things that we say, we learned when we first got in the business and all we've done is repeated it for, we could say I've been in the business for 20 years. In my case, it's over 40. I could say I've been in the business over 40, but it, it, unfortunately for most of us, the evidence is that we've done the first thing 40 times in a row. <laughs> Nothing has changed. We have no new ideas. We have no aha moments. And we're not helping people prepare for things when the grits hit the pan. We don't want you to stay in the dark and be unprepared for the grits to hit the, the pad, no matter when those grits might hit the pad. So one of my little uh, sayings is it's not about the prediction. It's all about the preparation. And in fact, our trademark is uh, the proof is in the planning. And as I say, most of us just kind of uh, professionals, we, we have good intentions. We're, you know, credentialed in many cases, uh, lots of education. We won't embarrass you at your kids' uh, weddings. Uh, and yet we seem to only repeat what we've been learned or what we've been taught. And then we just repeat that over and over as though nothing has changed. Everything has changed. And in fact, as we witness together this COVID-19, it is a disaster of epic proportions, which means it's changing everything so quickly right before our very eyes. In fact, I happened to see a, a, a quick interview with Bill Gates last night, and he made two suggestions. One that he thinks uh, when it comes to business travel and financial advisors are famous for flying all over the country. I mean, it's just something we do. He believes that business travel will only recover 50%. That's right, 50%. So when we talk about this V-shaped recovery, recovery? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe in some cases, yes. In some cases, no. Could it be more of a K-shaped? Could it be more of an L-shaped? Uh, but he said in terms of working in the offices, he suspects that uh, most of us will not be working in our offices 30% of the time. We'll be more at home. So as I say, things are changing right before our very eyes in so many different ways, and it's really kind of hard to catch up. But that's why it's so important, certainly in our opinion, for people to do good preparation, to hire the best and the brightest, to recognize which teams are going to do the job for them so they can do what it is they do. And the systems actually move the money around. We'll get into the details of this, where it's all good, green on 2009, say March 9th forward, but it goes red sometime between January and December of 2008. And what that means is instead of in a, a terrible year like 2008, 
instead of holding shares, what systems actually move out of shares and into cash so that the decline stops by virtue of moving that money into cash. Now, of course, we're not making any money when money's in a money market account or in a cash account, a bank account, but most accounts and most investors, I suspect, in 2008 started the year with 5% cash, ended the year with 5% cash, which means their accounts stayed 95% invested. That's great when the market's up, like March 9th till now, for the most part. Not so much when the market's down, like we saw, and we'll go over this, uh, fourth quarter 2018, first quarter this year. And of course, we will always remember 2008. But the question becomes, what have we learned from 2008? And how might we be better prepared in the event another 2008 is right around the bend? Stay tuned. So uh, again, John Grace and Daniel Medina. Daniel's been with Investors Advantage since uh, 2008. And, and I must say to you, uh, I'm sorry, he started actually September or October in 2006. Um, and I had a chance to meet one of these people who was a portfolio manager, one of the best and the brightest. And he asked a very interesting question that I will never forget. The question, what first he said was, of course, we've seen markets have been down 50%. That was at the beginning of the decade. He said, suppose there's a second 50% loss before the end of the decade. And I'm, we got back in the car and I looked at Daniel and I said, wow, that was a great question. I've never heard anybody pose that question before. But um, he has a point. No one can see the future and maybe you don't need to if you're ready for the good, the bad, as well as the unforeseen. So we were talking, had a little bit of a drive to get back to the office. And I said, you know, let's make this a project. Let's begin by going to our biggest client. Uh, it happens to be a, a, a pension plan, and at the time it's about $10 million, and see what we can do to maybe help them withstand some of these losses that we don't see on the horizon yet, but we know could absolutely show up at any point in time. So we did, uh, and we, we made some recommendations, and, and they were too busy, and they didn't get around to looking at what we suggested until 2009. You know, uh, people on the board died, some people changed, uh, some people retired. So there was there were some changes. Life does that, right? But by 2009, I have to say to you that the trustees were really quite angry because their account was down. Now, the evidence is that their account was down about 14%. And this, remember, for 2008 when the mark was off 37%. And as I said to the trustees, have you looked at your personal statements? Because I would not be surprised if you do the math there, you'll, be, you'll see that you're off 30 to 42% in some cases. But see, most of us don't do the math, and the math is so important to do. Your account's off 14%. And by the way, had you implemented some of the, the suggestions that we made, it would have been off less than 5%. In 2008. So maybe we can implement some of these changes that we recommended now that you we've got your attention. And again, 14% isn't bad, less than 14% is even better, but you're nowhere near 38% or 35%, uh, 40%. And that's what we want to do is everything possible to limit losses when the grids hit the pan. So I always like to uh, bring you up to date in terms of how the various markets are doing. And um, so far this year, that's from January 1 through today, as of right now, it's kind of a, a, an ugly market right now. We're, we're in negative territory, but year to date, the Dow is up about 4.31%. So we go to 
the S&P 500, that's a, the 500 largest companies in the country. And that's probably a better representation of what the overall markets are doing. And we can see that the S&P 500 is up 11.67% year to date. But lo and behold, here's the NASDAQ, boy, hitting on all cylinders, actually positive for the day. It's up year to date about 32.8%, exactly 32.79, we'll round up to 32.8. But what I want you to recognize is this disparity. In other words, uh, what, we've see, what we see in terms of uh, the low uh, with the Dow at uh, a whopping four and the NASDAQ a terrific uh, 32.79, and I believe the, the peak was 34%, if I'm not mistaken, so far this year. Uh, so, but there's just a lot of dispersion between those numbers. And, and up until just what, Daniel, two weeks ago, uh, the Dow, for example, had been moving in and out of negative territory for the year. So really hard to digest. Some of these stocks just lights out to the moon, and yet some of them in negative territory. And, and what, that, what that shows us is something is amiss here, uh, at least from the standpoint of breadth, that's with a D. What we want to see as investors is a great deal of volume. Uh, you know, if you're at the track, at the horses, you want all the horses, if you're the owner of the horse, uh, of, the, of the track, right, to do well. You, you really do. You want them all to win, or at least get the first place horse, some real competition. You don't want any city, any horse bloodied at the gate. It just doesn't really look good. So my point is, is that we have a number of companies that are hitting new highs, but there's not, it's not all of them. In fact, it might be, as you look at the S&P 500, it, I believe it's 27.6% comprised of tech stocks from, from the NASDAQ. So you've got uh, the uh, larger companies being influenced by the smaller growth-oriented companies, tech stocks, but that's where the disparity is occurring too. All ships are not rising on the same sea. We would prefer to see uh, more ships rising on that sea. So that's something you want to keep your eye open for, uh, because we're going to talk about how we might limit the losses. And we also want to look at what happens in the, when you're trying to uh, you know, live off the money that you have. Uh, and the question becomes, is it possible that you could live off of the income from $1 million? Um, and, and, it, and, and what we see, and Daniel, I want you to chime in here, is it, the ability to do so. Typically, when we put together a financial plan, it's, uh, it's going to be uh, trying to get better than a 6 or 7% return annually, but withdrawing at 3 or 4% to keep the account in balance and keep the income fluid and consistent. And, and one of the biggest drivers in terms of your overall expenses, and that's something savvy investors always keep their eye on, may my income be higher than my expense, is where do you live? And in some cases, Daniel, we see quite a disparity in terms of the living costs for housing in various parts of the country. You were looking at, uh, where was it, in, uh, in Texas versus New York? What did you see as the disparity in terms of uh, cost of, of, of living? Uh, it's it's pretty pretty drastic. Uh, Florida or New York is one of the most expensive places to live in the country, along with California and part and parts of uh, the, the northern coast of California. Texas is on the lower end, so I mean, I I, I don't know, I don't recall what the disparity is, but it, it's pretty drastic. If I if I remember correctly, I think the average income in Texas is something like sixty thousand a year, versus New York, where it's probably north of a hundred thousand a year. 
Yeah, well, I think Smart Asset gives us some things to uh, to share. And that's, uh, if you look at a, a million dollars, it should last, they believe, about 23 and a half years. That assumes a real return of interest on the savings minus inflation. But if you live in uh, New York, it would take about 10 years to deplete a million dollars. While if you live in McAllen, Texas, it, it looks like it's over 30 years. It's like uh, 10 to one. In other words, 10.2 years in, in New York City and 30 32.2 years in McAllen, Texas. So the real question is, can you retire on a million dollars? And again, it all depends on where you live because yeah, to your point, it looks like in McAllen, Texas, residents on average spend about $5,800 a year on housing. I mean, I, I'm, I, are you kidding me? That's all. But if you're in New York, it's more like $28,000 per year just on housing, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And that comes out to uh, 38% of the average New Yorker's budget. But of course, they make more money in New York. So we really got to keep uh, our minds and our, and our visions focused on where are the income need to be and what are my resources going to provide as a way of income so so that if I can spend less than I earn, whether I'm working or not, we always have a, a bit of a cushion in the equation. And unfortunately, right now, it looks to, to us as though too many Americans, too many businesses, by the way, too many countries have used uh, debt as their salvation, if you will, as opposed to cash. And at some point, the, you know, the music stops where debt doesn't work anymore or you miss a payment, and then it becomes real ugly. Cash is king. There's no question about it. So, uh, and then the, the larger question becomes, depending on where you live, what does it take for you to have sufficient money. I, 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 so many people think a million dollars is enough. It, it, it all depends on where you live and how you spend. Uh, because in, in fact, we are doing uh, uh, free financial planning. Uh, we're providing that service to all frontline workers. So whoever's the frontline workers will spend with 20 minutes, I'm sorry, 90 minutes with you and, and your spouse or you know, whoever you might be living with and look at how much money you're going to need to make work optional. What happens if you die today? And if there are kids in the equation, how might we prepare for their education without people going into debt? We can do that in about 90 minutes. Typically, what I learned at a conference, remember when we get on airplanes in Seattle last year, Securities America, cites a figure that the average cost of doing a financial plan in America is about $2,000. So for all frontline workers, all essential workers, we will do that job for free. And it's just our way of saying thank you so much to these people who take every day and put their lives on the line to keep us safe with this coronavirus. Uh, we want to do what we can to give them some hope too, because they certainly are doing everything they can, I mean, <laughs> to, to, to keep us safe. So we think that uh, turnabout is fair play. All right. So we're uh, moving towards a break, and Daniel wanted to give us some, some uh, suggestions or to give us some guidance in terms of how folks might access us. And, and by the way, if you do uh, send us a question, uh, to the extent that we have your email address, I will personally send you my copy of my brand new book, Making Finance Make Sense. It's available on, at, at, at Amazon on Kindle, and Amazon provides a free app with Kindle versus a, a, a 
paperback version also available at Amazon. Uh, so I'm really proud of it. And thanks to Daniel's work and our team, we have a couple of uh, URL calculators, you know, so you can use your phone to look at it for yourself. How much am I going to need to retire with dignity? How much is my family going to need in the event I don't come home? How are we going to make sure that the money doesn't stop if I have the nerve to go to heaven? So give us an outline for that, please, Daniel. You can find us on Facebook under Investors Advantage, on Twitter and at Money on Course. You can send us an email at contact at YB4, or you can reach us in the office at 805-495-2077. Terrific. So we're going to take a very quick break, and we're delighted that uh, we have Jonathan Taylor on tap, a chartered financial analyst with City National Rockdale, to help us get a sense for when buy and hold works and when that habit might be hazardous to our wealth. We'll be right back in just a moment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. At Investors Advantage Corporation, our trademark statement, the proof is in the planning, represents the value we see in hard work and perseverance, coupled with a sound plan for the future. With the challenges facing our country's frontline workers, we see a lot being asked and not a lot given in return. To reward our nation's frontline employees and clients, we're offering our financial planning services free for anyone serving in those roles. So whether you're a nurse, a member of the police force, or a retail employee, we'd love to sit down with you and help you plan for the other side of this pandemic. Please feel free to share this offer with the critical infrastructure workers you know who are providing services where they are most needed. Visit YB4.com or call us at 805-495-2077. That's YB4.com or 805-495-2077. We are located in Thousand Oaks, California. Thank you for your service and we look forward to lending a hand through your financial journey. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Fiscal Fitness. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at ybpoor.com. Now, back to Fiscal Fitness. Welcome back, folks. So glad you could spend Hump Day Wednesday with us. And things are a beautiful day around the country. And we're looking at our finances. And we think one of the good things that's coming out of COVID-19 is that people are actually giving themselves a little breather and giving themselves the opportunity to actually spend some time looking at their financial picture to see how they might uh, not just hope, we don't think hope is a strategy, that they're going to find be able to retire with dignity. But let's put the plan together so that you can see how you can be on track and arrive on time and safely to the uh, 
uh, a point in time at which you need to have enough dollars behind door number one to make the next 20 or 30 years such that you don't have to work, but you might want to work, but you know financially it's not a necessity. Now, the, the biggest thing that gets into the way of the reality are the losses. And let's just go back a bit and then we're gonna go forward and talk about how we can do a better job of, of planning. Thanks to our guest here, Jonathan Taylor, Chartered Financial Analyst with City National Rockdale. You may recall back in uh, the fourth quarter of 2018, we saw the S&P off about 20%. Uh, and, and, and by the way, uh, that ended on uh, Christmas Eve, as I recall, uh, and Daniel and I were looking at the markets and how that decline was pretty darn fast. I believe it started in September, ended on um, Christmas Eve of 2018. And then we started looking at client accounts and we were actually pleased to see that the client accounts we were looking at weren't fully participating in that 20% loss. So we started calling them to say, well, you might be looking at the market and some were like, oh yeah, I am. Well, here's how your account is doing and you're, and you're not doing what the market's doing. You're doing, you're holding up better than the, than the market. Now, we're going to explain this, but I just want you to recognize that you don't just have to buy and hold no matter what and hope that the market comes back within your timeline because it may not, or it may take longer than you ever imagined. So that's the first one. Then earlier this year, what did we see? Uh, what was it about a 35% loss, 3384 to 2192, I believe, um, with the S&P 500. And I have to tell you again, I came across some neighbors of mine well into their 70s, and I it was like they were in a row. It was one weekend, and I think I ran into three of them. And all three of them, I thought they were, these guys were going to cry. Now, they had never talked about their, their money before, but they were just saying, oh, my God, have you seen, you, you're in this, what, look at what the market's doing. I go, yeah, well, how are you doing? And they, they didn't want to disclose any information. I mean, heaven forbid we actually talk about it. But I, as I say, they looked like they were going to cry, and then they ran back into the house. So <laughs> maybe that made them feel a little bit better. Now, let's look ahead, because there are those like Harry Dent, uh, Dent Research founder uh, and president, and, and by the way, we do pay, unlike many of our peers, for independent research, to look at this market in a broader view, How, and, and working a lot with engineers, particularly rocket scientists, they're always asking the question, show me how bad it can get. And if I can live with that, I'm good. But if I can't, how can you fix it so that it performs within my parameters? So the, the parameters I can live with, the ones where I'm not crying and I'm not pulling out my hair. So Harry Dent suggests, now Harry, I, I think he, sometimes he gets into a little trouble because he tries to give you a, a date by which destiny is going to occur. We don't like doing that, but his answer is May 21st. What does he think might happen? He thinks that we might bounce around in kind of a um, bear market trap, and that is possible, with the S&P between 3,500, 3,600, with a peak of 37,500. And that peak might occur sometime next year. And, and, but from there, we may find that instead of a 20% loss or 35% loss, a 40% loss could be in the cards, baked in the cake. And it has nothing to do what happens with the stimulus package and you know who actually <laughs> moves into the White House or moves out of the White House. Uh, it, nothing to do with any of that. So having a sense for how bad it could get 
potentially, I think is a, is a smart thing to observe. And then, as I say, look to see how we might be better prepared. So with that, Jonathan, uh, talk to us a little bit about City National Rockdale. For most of us, we know City National Bank. We don't know City National Rockdale. One side advertises, the other side doesn't. And, and let me say, folks, that when Daniel and I are looking at places where we put our clients' hard-earned money, we're not just looking at the ones that have the best name recognition for a host of reasons. And uh, we, we, we like looking at all of them. And some of the ones with little or no name recognitions, we've actually been more impressed with. And in, case, in this case, that would, that would include City National Rockdale, where we've been um, working with them since about, about uh, 10 years ago. 12 years ago, and we're really pleased with what they do. So uh, Jonathan, Taylor, CFA, give us a sense for uh, this side of the bank, if you will, Rockdale, and the amounts of funds that you currently manage, and we want, then we want to get into conversation about what it is, how it is you do what you do. Absolutely. Thank you, John, and thank you, Daniel, for inviting me on today. Appreciate it and excited by the opportunity to join you on what you call Hump Day. Where I live, we call it Farmer's Market Day. Uh, so excited to be here, excited to join you. Um, as you mentioned, I work for a firm uh, called City National Rockdale. And in that firm, I hold the title of Senior Investment Consultant. Uh, so fancy title aside, what does that mean? What do I do? Uh, and, and what does our firm aim to do? And in short, what we do is we partner and stand shoulder to shoulder with independent financial advisors with the aim of helping our clients and their clients improve their financial decision-making and judgment. That's what we go about doing. That's what our aim is. And there's 300 plus individuals at our firm that are working on a day-to-day -day basis to understand what's going on uh, at any given time from a financial market perspective, from an economic perspective, with the aim of creating, actively designing a bespoke custom portfolio to meet the individual needs, goals, and circumstances of our clients. And that's what we do. Well, that works real well. And Daniel, I wanna get back to Jonathan, but just explain, if you will, to our audience, how it is that they can see a two minute video and answer some of these questions that helps them determine, probably for the first time, how much loss they can live with. We don't, we're not satisfied with, are you conservative, moderate, or aggressive? No, no, no. Let's see if we can narrow that down. We wanna understand something probably neither of us understand, and that is what kind of loss is okay with you? That's a good question. So help us understand how that works, Daniel. So on our webpage, there's a section for the riskometer, which John updates monthly on where he thinks the risk is in the market. And right under that, there's a section for get your risk number. Under that, you'll take you to a, a, our video and it'll lead you to our questionnaire where you can determine how much risk you're willing to take in your portfolio. Yeah, we encourage you to take a look. Um, it, it, we find that it's been used by over 400 people. Uh, they, they seem to like it. And it's a different approach. Like I say, we're not just doing the same old, same old. I can't do that. I have to try to be part of the best and the brightest. Eventually, maybe I'll get there. But in the meantime, let's see what techniques and, and talent and tools we can put to work so that you can see this is the loss I can live with. And let's go back to uh, City National Rockdale with uh, Jonathan Taylor here to explain, Jonathan, uh, on average, if I'm not mistaken, 
we talked earlier about how in 2008, most accounts that are more passive as opposed to active, and, and we prefer the active accounts, and here's why. The passive accounts typically started the year 5% cash, 95% invested, ended the year with the exact same pattern. And everything at Rockdale is 100% customized. In fact, I, you, you have, uh, we, we enjoy introducing our clients to their personal portfolio manager. Now, that's not to say they're you know, full-time for each client, but we, well, you can have $10 million with so many companies and you'll never meet whoever is making the decisions. Well, at Rockdale, you get to meet those folks and ask them questions. So what we saw, which, I, which we, we just loved in 2008, is instead of accounts uh, staying 5% cash, that's how they on average started. And again, each, each account is customized 100%. But if I'm not mistaken, Jonathan, by December, the average investor went from 5% cash to more than 50% cash or so, limiting their losses in, in that year. Now, this isn't market timing. So how is it that that is uh, accomplished? Yeah, it's a great it's a great question and a great point to bring up. And and what you're hitting on there with respect to the private portfolio manager that each of our clients uh, are assigned to and and will have direct access to is our ability again to create a custom portfolio that is tailored to the individual needs and goals of our clients and or your clients. And saying that, how do we actually go about doing it? It's the job of the portfolio manager to understand those needs and match it with what we're seeing and what we're hearing from an economic standpoint, as well as a financial market condition standpoint. And so at any given time, we look out into the world, we have a hundred plus data points that we're looking at to create sort of our view on a monthly basis for the next three months, six months, 12 months, what is likely to happen from, from a financial market and or an economic market standpoint. And what we then do is take that and impart that onto our client portfolios. So what we believe, what we feel, and, and what we see is happening, we invest our clients aligning with their goals, what we feel is likely to happen from an investing standpoint. And so the data point you talked about is at various times over the last 10 or 12 years, there, there have been periods of time where economic conditions like 2008, 2009, spiked from a recession standpoint. So we track our, create our own recession indicator that spiked and subsequent action from there were flashing red symbols, if you will, saying we should take risk off of the table for some type of our clients. So risk to us and taking that off on, on the table was with respect to equity ownership. And so for clients where it was appropriate to own equities and they had equities within their portfolio, think US at the time, US large cap, as well as some mid and potentially small cap stocks, we reduced clients' overall exposure based off of our data points. Now, to me, what's more important in that whole equation that you're referencing is what happened over the subsequent six months after that cash got to a certain level for our, our, our client accounts is that we had a plan in place. We followed our system, we followed our data points and remained flexible in our allocation for clients where by the end of 2009, those same set of clients that had significant cash raises from the equity side of their portfolio were back fully invested. We weren't fearful. We weren't scared. We understood what was going on in the market. We trusted our experience. We trusted 
the data and the points that we like to look at and remained calm throughout that period and invested clients accordingly. So folks, I want you to understand that uh, this notion of active management that Jonathan is describing in the investment world is relatively new, but I don't mean brand new. In other words, back in 1999, I had the pleasure of being on a beta test uh, with financial advisors around the country where a company was coming into the market. Uh, well, they, they'd been on the insurance side and they decided that they want to be on the investment side. And this was capital coming out of uh, the UK. Uh, and they, they had us get together in Denver to look at what they were planning on doing in terms of actively managing. And, and, and just to make it really simple, it, it think of uh, risk off, risk on, or remember the movie Karate Kid, uh, wax on, wax off. So in 2008, you, you didn't need people as much as you needed the systems on your behalf as the market seems to be hitting new lows, asking the question, how low can we go? Instead of holding the position, it's risk off or wax off. In other words, let's sell shares, not watch the price decline, move those shares from the positions they were holding, whether they're bonds or stocks or any combination thereof, into cash. So wax off in 2008. But after March 9th, 2009, it's pedal to the metal. Now it's wax on, it's risk on. So what we saw in many cases is um, investors in 2008 that were in these more actively managed portfolios were often in many cases, no more than 20%. Well, that's better than 37 or 42%, right? Because if you're off 20, we need 25 to get back to even as our math man, Daniel Ladina will explain to us. But then we want all the gains of 2009. And if it is the case, as it were with the clients who took these positions, they saw these uh, returns in 2009 26 to 30% as a return net of after all costs. Now we are getting back to even. In fact, in, in the cases where the accounts were more actively managed, we can see that our clients who were actively managed got back to even in about two years. But the ones who were passive, uh, it took maybe four to five years for these accounts to get back to even. And please remember, that was at a, a very robust market. So what I'm wanting you to recognize is look at these systems that could work on your behalf. I happened to be uh, in a national show with Peter Lynch of, of Magellan. And in the old days, the portfolio manager was the star. Well, now the systems are the stars because portfolio managers get sick and die and go away, right? <laughs> Change jobs. So how are we making the, 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 the systems work? Uh, so I, I want you to understand that. Now, Daniel, I know you've got several questions for Jonathan. I do. First question for you, Jonathan. What does City think the outlook is for the rest of the year in 2021? Yeah, great question. Thank you, Daniel. Um, our outlook for the rest of 2020 and as we move into 2021 uh, is we're still constructively positive on the, the overall state of the economy uh, and with respect to where we are from, from a market standpoint. There are parts of the market currently uh, with respect to stocks that are overvalued and, and we're tending to shy away from those. Um, from, from, from our client exposure standpoint. Uh, but the economy by and large is on fairly uh, solid footing. Now, what we mean by that is with respect to Fed intervention, uh, th that is likely the key driver uh, for the remainder of this year and, and as we move into next year. We, we do need to get 
Fed intervention, some fiscal and monetary policy, and, and some stimulus that's being debated right now between Republicans and Democrats. Um, that needs to continue. Uh, if there is a second or third wave, whatever you'd like to call it, COVID is is the driver of the economy at the moment and our reaction. We've had some positive news with some of these vaccinations uh, and or treatment plans. Um, testing is, is obviously ramping up and readily available and rapidly available testing is starting to ramp up around the country so we can track and trace and do everything that's important. Um, my, my daughter uh, still is in uh, preschool and we get tested once a month as, as a family per her, her school's policy. And the last time we got tested, it was in the afternoon and the test came back at kind of, I think it was eight or nine o'clock in the morning. So from, so from, a, from a broader perspective, uh, we're, we're putting in place uh, from, from the US things that need to be done to push us forward. Um, what's going to drive us uh, from a market perspective even more forward is our ability and the government's ability to sort of get their act together and, and provide those industries and those folks who are hurting the most and will continue to hurt for, for some time as we all mean separated for now um, the uh, help that they potentially need. Perfect. Perfect. Good timing. So we're going to have a quick break, folks, and we'll be back with Jonathan Taylor, CFA with C National Rockdale. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. At Investors Advantage Corporation, our trademark statement, the proof is in the planning, represents the value we see in hard work and perseverance, coupled with a sound plan for the future. With the challenges facing our country's frontline workers, we see a lot being asked and not a lot given in return. To reward our nation's frontline employees and clients, we're offering our financial planning services free for anyone serving in those roles. So whether you're a nurse, a member of the police force, or a retail employee, we'd love to sit down with you and help you plan for the other side of this pandemic. Please feel free to share this offer with the critical infrastructure workers you know who are providing services where they are most needed. Visit YB4.com or call us at 805-495-2077. That's YBPoor.com or 805-495-2077. We are located in Thousand Oaks, California. Thank you for your service and we look forward to lending a hand through your financial journey. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Fiscal Fitness. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at ybpoor.com. 
Now back to Fiscal Fitness. Welcome back, folks. John Grace and Daniel Medina here with Fiscal Fitness. So delighted that you could join us this beautiful afternoon. We have Jonathan Taylor, Chartered Financial Analyst with City National Rockdale. And I want to pick up uh, a little bit, a bit earlier, Jonathan, in terms of the assets under management is a good question that uh, investors should be asking. Um, and, you know, how many clients are, are you working with across the country? Uh, because, uh, as I say, some firms, we don't see them because they don't advertise. And by the way, to the extent that firms advertise, we know where those costs get passed on to, right? Uh, and others don't. Uh, and City National Rockdale, we again, we know City National Bank. We do not typically know City National Rockdale. So uh, hit, take, off, take off with uh, assets under management, please, uh, Jonathan. And then I know Daniel has some, some questions for you. So currently we manage for our clients uh, roughly $45 billion. Uh, that, that is a lot, that sounds like a lot, that still allows us and, and our industry to be a boutique investment management firm and, and really create this process that is centered around the client and centered around this customization. Our primary client are high net worth individuals. Uh, we selectively and exclusively work within that part of the market. That's where our, our expertise lies. Um, and, and over our 30 years in, in history, we've, we've been able to um, uh, get and or retain uh, $45 billion worth of assets. And without, do you know the number of uh, investors? Uh, that is a great question that I do not know off the top of my head. It, it, okay. It's uh, I, I wouldn't even want to venture a guess because but you do know a that, lot more. Yeah, I believe your minimum is a million dollars. Is that correct? That is correct. So it's a million dollars uh, of investable assets. Uh, it's not a it's not an account minimum. That is a relationship minimum. So when you say relationship minimum, you're saying that if one party of the spouse uh, of the you know the couple has six hundred thousand and the other one has uh, was that four hundred thousand, you can compile the compile them for a total of a million as opposed to each having to it not be the requirement that each be at a million dollar minimum. Is that correct? That's correct. You got it. Okay. All right, Daniel, all yours. <laughs> Next question for you, Jonathan. Uh, how do you guys manage volatility aside from moving to cash? Yeah, it's a great question. And it centers around one of the philosophical foundations of our firm. And that is this belief that you need to have good risk management associated with your portfolio management from, from a client perspective. And there's a famous quote, uh, bonus points, if either of you get who, who said this, uh, it was under much different conditions and circumstances than financial markets, but risk can be looked at in sort of three capacities, the known knowns, the known unknowns, and the unknown unknowns. And to us, that's how we manage volatility. That's how we manage risk. So bonus points, Dave, if you know who said that? All right, I, it, was Donald Rump, it was Donald Rumsfeld. Uh, so he said it about the Iraq war, uh, obviously okay. much different circumstances, but from our perspective, um, that's how we look at it. And, and what I mean by the known knowns is, is in, um, you know, the financial planning work that you and Daniel John both do very well and understanding who your clients are, what their needs are, and what their circumstances are, most clients' risk outside of themselves is not is is not having enough saved, or or, or really not um, having enough money to to sort of outlive whatever that that pile of money or that lifestyle that they would like to have. And so, if we can eliminate that, 
by understanding who they are and matching that over time in the right portfolio, you eliminate the majority of, of, of a client's investment risk. Now, the second risk is what we talked about earlier in terms of our uh, flexible asset allocation approach. In some cases, that is going to cash. And in some cases, it's, it's on a relative basis or a risk-adjusted basis, uh, viewing the investments that we pick from an asset and an asset class perspective that we feel are the best for clients at, at that moment. And what I mean by that is uh, right now we are currently for our clients from a recommendation standpoint, um, recommending clients own large cap U.S. stocks. Uh, we are primarily owning U.S. dividend paying stocks. Um, and, and that's where our sort of recommendation is. And we can talk about that here in a few minutes. Uh, but from our perspective, we have avoided and stayed out of the international developed markets. And so we like to be flexible. We, we, we like to have the ability to be flexible for, for our clients to kind of manage that known unknowns. And then from the unknown unknowns, uh, this is where we can manage true sort of esoteric volatility that is out there uh, where if a client has a specific liability or a client has um, a, a specific dollar value in, in their head or a certain percentage in their head, we can work to establish a floor value on a client portfolio by which we have a conversation with the client. We will work with them to understand what that is and we will uh, rebalance the portfolio as that portfolio starts to decline. So in periods like March of this year or in 2008, if we get to a point where a client's portfolio is two or three, three standard deviations um, below where its value is currently, we will start to rebalance that portfolio potentially. It's an optional service, but some clients from a psychological standpoint or a liability standpoint elect to have that uh, as, as, as part of their process. Yeah, let me say that uh, one of the things that we did enjoy with Rockdale is uh, we work with a number of uh, people who either currently work or did or were employed at, at Amgen, the largest technology biotech company in the world, right? And, and the issue became what to do with the Amgen stock. But the beautiful thing is that was a conversation. In other words, how do we di dislodge uh, such a big position uh, and, and be sensitive to taxes? And then how do we avoid maybe having any more exposure to Amgen? Uh, but that way, the, the, as I say, the, the portfolio was customized to these clients' situations. So they weren't buying into a pool where there's more of what they already own and there was more selectivity and a conversation around where else we might want to be if we like the biotech space, but certainly we don't necessarily need a larger position, either known or unknown in, in one particular company. Your next question, Daniel. Okay, so this one I think is is really important because the industry just doesn't focus on income planning enough. So Good point. what do you guys, what, for the most part, our industry focuses on accumulating assets. We never talk about distributing assets. How does city, how does city look at distributing assets? How do you position portfolios for that? Yeah, great question, Daniel. And over our 30 years of, of being in business and, and uh, uh, working with high net worth and individuals, it, it's one of the questions that they've asked us to really focus on and, and or have come to really expect from us. The way we look at income and or income distribution, and maybe the best way to explain this is, is talking about a hypothetical client. So, so we work with a, a lot of clients 
that have spent their life building up this nest egg, if you will, built up this pool of, of, of assets uh, that they um, that that they are now shifting over the next year, two years, or potentially three years into retirement. And so this accumulation phase has led them to today. And over the next two years, there's going to be a transition into retirement, which then moves them into the decumulation phase, which is pulling assets or pulling income. And so we work very uh, specifically with those clients to understand what their income needs are, the financial planning work that both you and um, John do is, is really instrumental in, in, in understanding that. But we, but we find what that income number is, what they'll need to derive from their investment portfolio. And, and we work to create a portfolio within a given level of, of, of a risk-adjusted return, what the right portfolio is to be able to generate that level of income. Now, sometimes some clients come to us with outlandish income request. And so we have to have some difficult conversations with them about, okay, you, you can't draw that if you plan to live for the next 20 years uh, and, and, or you need this portfolio to last for the next 20 years, but we will very specifically take that income target and build a por portfolio to meet that income objective. Uh, it's something we we've done for a while and we don't, we, we do this extremely well. Well, and let me say this uh, before Daniel gets to his next question, and uh, that's for our audience here, that when you look at your mutual fund statements, and we all cut our teeth on mutual funds, we find that many of them are growth and income by orientation. So if it's a 6% return, many of the times it's 4% growth that we're hoping for, and the dividend is maybe 1% to 2% for a total of 6 what we like about Rockdale is they've reversed that logic. In other words, it's, it's, it's not that it's growth and income, particularly for people who have to take income or choosing to take income. It becomes income and growth. So let's put the fundamental piece of the position in those stocks that pay consistent dividends, three, four, five, six percent. And now there's our base. So instead of dividend and growth, it's income and growth. And if we're still trying to get that six or seven percent total return, let's make the foundation those positions that might on average provide a dividend of let's say four. And then if growth is at two or three percent, we're still at the same number as a total, but one is not left to chance as much as the other. What's your next question, Daniel? Last question. I think we can get in before we have to break. But I know you guys do something pretty unique in the industry, and you guys will break down a portfolio, a current portfolio for, for an investor. Can you talk about that? Yes, absolutely. So uh, part of our process and, and part of what we call our engagements is, is looking at a client's current financial uh, situation using their investment statements as the basis for that conversation. And, and in the aim of offering them some consultative advice, we will sit down and do a detailed analysis of all the positions that they own, uh, where that sits from, let's say, a diversification standpoint, and what that looks like potentially from shortfalls of, of what those goals are that they need. For example, if you do need income or taxes are a concern as you grow this portfolio and you're looking to, to rebalance it, we can look and understand at the detail level of each individual position that that you own if there's overlap if there's lack of diversification if there's a shortfall from from an income perspective if there's a growing potential tax problem as well as if there's a a um 
if there's a divergence between what you feel is the appropriate risk return profile and what your portfolio is actually stating. And that's important, folks, because, I mean, for example, Daniel and I were talking with a very good client, started with us back when he was 14, and now he's one of these rocket scientists, and he asserts that, you know, I'm a conservative investor, and we're looking at his 401k statement going, well, your statement is telling a different story, and guess what? We believe the statement. <laughs> you are 85% in stocks, much of that is small cap, and 15% in bonds, so by most... Uh, uh, ways of looking at this, this would, you, this would be an aggressive account. Now, you're comfortable with it, although you did have a bad 08, I want to remind you of that, but let's, let's really see it the way it is as opposed to the way you want to represent it. I hear what you're saying, it's just that I can't buy what you're saying because the statement is telling us, a, as I say, a completely different story. You are an aggressive investor by virtue of this statement, but that's why we want people to really recognize, as again, it's not so much about being aggressive, moderate, or conservative. What works for you? Is it possible you can determine the loss you can accept? That's question number one. Followed by question number two. Is it possible for you to put a portfolio together where you can look at the actual returns, let's say first quarter this year, fourth quarter 18, 2008, it held up better than your portfolio, or it actually performed within your expectations of loss. That way, when the market's off 20% and you hypothetically are off 6.5, you're like, oh, geez, well, the market can go to you know where, but it's not taking my money with it. Thank you very much. And if it's 6.5, what do I need? Seven to get back to even? That might happen. Let that account get to 40%. And now I need a 66.6% return just to get back to even. We don't like those odds. And when we get to 50, it's 100% necessary. At 60, it's 150% gain just to get back to your starting point. <laughs> and if you run out of time, there may not be enough time to fully recover. So we want to limit the losses. All right. We're going to leave it there for now, folks. We're so glad you could join us. Daniel and I will be back here next week. And I'm just going to close by saying, please continue with the three W's. Wash your hands, watch your distance, and uh, wear a mask, okay? Because we want to see you right back here next week. We'll be back here for you. Bye-bye for now. you for tuning to fiscal fitness please join john grace and co-host daniel medina again next wednesday at 3 p.m eastern time and 12 noon pacific time on the voice america business channel have an excellent week